This is Noon Edition on WFIU. I'm Joe Wren, in for Bob Zaltzberg. Along with me, Mary Catherine Carmichael. Hello. Hi, Joe. Well, we've been getting together a lot this week, haven't we? I know, between the debate and now here we are again. The World Health Organization made headlines this week, announcing Monday that processed meats, which includes sausage, hot dogs, and bacon, have cancer-causing properties. Some in the meat industry have called foul, criticizing the research as alarmist and exaggerated. This week, we'll speak with three experts about the news. We have in our studio Samantha Schaefer. She's a registered dietitian at IU Health. Welcome. Thanks Thank you for, for having me. Thanks for being here. Joe Moore is on the phone. He's the executive vice president of the Indiana Beef Cattle Association. Hello there, Joe. Good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon. I'm well. And also on the phone, we have Jeanette Merritt. She's the director of checkoff programs for the Indiana Pork and Pig Farmer. Hello, Jeanette. Thanks for being here. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. Can I just say these yeah. these two last two people also sponsor probably the best booths at the Indiana State. Uh, I bet, I bet, I bet. I'm just saying. Now Very you can all. <laughs> and we also want everyone out there to ask questions by joining our live chat, following us on Twitter. We're at Noon Edition. You can call into the program and ask your question or comment. The phone number eight one two eight five five zero eight one one. Now, you know we always knew that you know bacon sausage all these things we know that they're not good for you right well I, yeah i mean in, in excess i think it's, it's right. i always thought of it as something that in moderation you can get away with right right but now we have there's a new report so l- let's just start with this new report and you know anyone can jump in maybe samantha if you want to go for it. what's new what what happened this week that came out monday that that popped out as, at you as new Well, I think the World Health Organization had recommended before that we want to reduce processed meats and moderate them in our diet, but I think they took a new look at it and really zeroed in on the red meats and the processed meats this week, and I think it's thrown people into up in arms. There's a lot of controversy around it because we really um, try to limit the amount of zeroing out one food and trying to um, give messaging to consumers that are applicable. And we really want to have them look at a whole diet approach and make sure that they're not taking one nutrition recommendation um, out of context. So I think what's new about this one is the processed meats, which is anything that's salted, cured, smoked, fermented, um, just using a preservation technique. They have categorized it as carcinogenic to humans. Um, They're finding that there's sufficient evidence that it causes colorectal cancer and possibly stomach cancer, but that's not conclusive. So um, I think people are really looking at that they're categorizing this into the same um, uh, organizational level as the tobacco and asbestos. But the categories only describe the strength of the evidence, and they're not trying to connect a level of risk here. So this would include everything from bologna to bratwurst, uh, hot dogs are an obvious one. What about something like um, meat you buy at the deli that they slice for you? So they are categorizing um, foods like the ham and the corned beef, the beef jerky, um, canned meats, or anything that has the processed meat in sauces as well. And this is something that I think everyone has in their diet in moderation. And we're just trying to give a message that consumers can have these things in moderation in their diet. 
So, Joe and Jeanette, of course, yeah. just jump in at any time. Is this what, what pops out at you at this research? Is this is this something that's being over exaggerated, or is this something we already knew? Well, um, I think that what's interesting about the uh, latest report from IARC is that they have singled out very specific food groups, and I would agree with Samantha that as an industry, we encourage consumers to take an overview of their dietary pattern, not focus in on just one thing. And what we know is no one food has ever been shown conclusively in any study to cause cancer. Um, even the 22-member panel of um, the agency couldn't come to a consensus that the report that was released on Monday was accurate. They generally have prided themselves on coming to a consensus. This time they settled for a majority opinion of the 22 people. So from a beef industry standpoint, we don't believe that their conclusions took in any of the relevant studies that are out there on either red meat or processed meat. Mm -hmm. Jeanette, do you want to take a stab at this? I'll have to agree with Joe and Samantha. When I, you know, as you looked at the study and, and you see, you know, the, you know, the conclusions that they came to, the one thing I think that jumps out to the pork industry is, is what has been said, that you, you can't link one food um, to causing cancer. You, you, there, there is no saying here that says X will give you cancer. Um, I think, you know, we can look at things like tobacco and, and smoking and, you know, that raises your cancer risk by like 2,500%. Um, but eating bacon, eating sausage is part of a healthy diet and a healthy lifestyle and, and having those things um, and, and with a side of broccoli or, or whatever, however you want to um, put those on your plate as part of a nice BLT, um, you, you can't say, and, and they are not saying that, that that food will give you cancer. And, and I think that's, that's a bit, we're, we're teaching our consumers to be alarmed about everything. Yeah. And um, for people who are spending their food dollars and, and trying to prepare food for their family, um, and that's that's concerning to myself as a hog farmer and our pork industry in the state. Did they? Uh, does the report make any differentiation between uh, or about how the the beef or pork products are raised, or uh, is it just strictly the fact that it's been processed in some form kind of cancels out? For example, I'm thinking, you know, an organic product versus something yeah. that's been uh, treated heavily with antibiotics when when it was being raised. No, the, the process thing really comes back to the nitrates and nitrites that are used in the curing of the meat. That's, that's the concern, uh, is the chemical, not the, not the method of production. Okay. All right. Um, but I will say what we do know about cancer is that lifestyle has a lot to do with your cancer risk. Not one food, but whether you smoke, whether you're physically active, whether your weight's in line, those type of things have an overall effect on your health. Mm-hmm. But our studies show there is no one food that you can single out. And because meat is generally eaten in conjunction with lots of other different foods, from an epidemiological standpoint, it's really hard just to single out the meat as a cause of any factor in your diet. So how do your organizations react to something like this? Do you think this is going to have any impact on people's eating habits, or is it business as usual? What, what, what are your reactions to this? Well, I don't know about Jeanette, but... From our standpoint, we take it very seriously. We've always taken nutrition seriously, and uh, we take any study like this um, to heart. And we know that our consumers hear it as well. So, no, we don't dismiss it. What we do know, though, is that this report that was released on Monday by Tuesday had fallen off the charts as far as social media and news media 
promotion of it goes. It died very, very quickly. And I think that the consumer is becoming somewhat steeled to this type of ongoing onslaught against their lifestyle. Mm. Coffee, eggs, butter, go on and on. What's going to kill you next? And this is, this is another example of that. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about... Go ahead, as Jeanette. As much as the yeah. beef industry, the, the pork industry is the same way. I think, you know, you, you're always um, waiting for the next study to come out. Something's going to alarm consumers. You have to be prepared for it, and you have to um, get ahead of some of that um, and remind people um, that, you know, there, there is a healthy lifestyle, um, that um, there, there are ways to enjoy everything healthy. Um, right. You know, you can, you can have a nice pork chop. You can have, you can have that, that, you know, bacon with um, your breakfast. Um, and and put it in part um, of part of a of a healthy living, um, but you know as hog farmers we we are we do take this seriously because um, things like this spread quickly. I will have to say, um, as as a farmer, um, my my um, messages were full of oh please don't let him take my bacon away. Um, <laughs> this, is, uh, this was released, right. so um, I, I did have right. a lot of my friends reaching out going oh no please we need bacon. So um, I think consumers are are becoming a little bit more used to some scare tactics, but, you know, it is, it, it, it's also kind of disconcerting and, and right. something we have to be aware of. But I think Samantha said it right. It's, it's moderation. And if you're eating a pound of bacon every day, that's probably not a good idea. But if you enjoy a couple, three slices of bacon with your eggs on Sunday morning, even the, even the agency's report says there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. They're not saying you shouldn't eat any processed meats. They're saying you shouldn't smoke. But they're not saying you shouldn't eat any processed meats, but that you should very much limit your your intake of processed meat. Mm -hmm. Samantha, what about, uh, I see uncured bacon available in the stores and other uncured things that we traditionally, uncured hot dogs. What's what's your take on that? Does that is that is Are those exempt from the results of this study? I don't think they went in that specific. However, I think removing any of the preservatives like the nitrate-free, you can purchase that in the store. And I think people are trending towards picking more um, simple foods, less ingredients, less preservatives, um, more natural. That's really not a defined terminology mm-hmm. in nutrition. But I, I do think people are trying to think more about their food choices and voting with their food dollars. And this is one way that they could uh, maybe decrease risk by decreasing those preservatives in their, their purchases. Mm-hmm. Are there any cooking methods that can change the... the risk? Risk, yeah. 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 So, yeah. yeah, this study was looking at that. Uh, they did mention cooking at high temperatures or in really direct heat, which would be similar to pan frying or even when we barbecue. Uh, right. We do have to be careful about charring our meat. Some people do like it a little bit more overdone. I, I think that they didn't go as far as naming a, a better cooking method, but they are thinking that there's some catalyst that happens during the cooking process with very high meat temperatures that have to do with possibly the preservatives used in the, the processed meats. Um, so just a simple recommendation is to maybe use medium heat and not char the food when, when we are cooking, um, but really not enough data to conclude a specific way that's going to affect cancer risk. Or oven preparation, is that yeah, considered like baking, preferable? Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, Joe, did you have something you were trying to add there? Well, Well, she mentioned processed meat, and it also really applies to fresh meat, too. You really don't want to char a steak or a chop that you have on the grill. The the carbon that develops during that charring process, one, doesn't taste very good, and two, it's not very good for you. So 
You do want uh, medium heat. I've been trying to tell my sister that about marshmallows <laughs> for 50 years. Yeah, marshmallows, I don't know whether that applies. I can't answer that. You know, Unless was, you're a 10-year-old kid, do you, do you like marshmallows, you know, completely burnt. You know, I will say, I did find this last night. I was at a grocery store, and I was surprised at how many items now are bacon-wrapped. Oh, Just going yeah. through the aisle and seeing, you know, bacon on, on everything. I think this goes with what Jeanette was saying earlier about, you know, okay, you, or you have the bacon in the morning, but maybe not for lunch and, and dinner mm-hmm. as well. Right. Uh, uh, this week we're talking about research showing processed meats have cancer-causing properties. Let us know if you have questions or comments participating in the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. Tweeting at Noon Edition. You can also call into the program 812-855-0811 or toll-free 1-877-285-9348. You know, I don't have any feeling for how often the average person eats a processed meat product. I don't know if they give any information about that. I'd love to hear from our listeners if they want to let us know. Pretty often at ballparks. Yes, isn't that the, well, that's, is, that's, is, is there another reason to go to the ballpark? <laughs> I understand there are some men out on a field, but I really go for the other stuff. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, I'd like to hear from our listeners if they want to call us and uh, let us know how often the, the kind of look at their, their uh, meal plans over the past week and, and report back. I'd have to think about that myself. Yeah. Much. Now, it, do any of you think that there is a reason to the timing of this report? Did this come out as at a at a specific time, or or no? Not in my opinion. No, I, yeah. I think this has been coming for quite some time. We've known that the the agency had been meeting on this for months, and we just realized the last thirty days that the report was coming out on Monday. So, no, I don't think the timing really has anything to do with it. I think they finally really gave up on coming to a consensus and went with the majority opinion and released the report. What can you tell us, anybody, uh, about the World Health Organization, what their charge is, um, uh, and why they took this on, in your opinion? Well, I'm no expert on them, but they, from what I understand, it's the panel's made up of academics who, according to observers, as an industry, we're allowed to submit our own studies to the agency for consideration during this process and uh, to our observers they you can't participate but you can observe the process that many of the people on the panel have their own research and they sit on the panel in hopes of validating their own studies and, and their own career and it seemed like this was tasked uh, last year in 2014, where the international advisory committees were asking them to take a stronger look at it. So as Joe was saying, they probably knew it was going to come down to a decision eventually. But um, the 22 experts were from 10 countries, and they did look at 800 studies. So 700 were on red meat and 400 were on the processed meat. So they did have a big task. I think the World Health Organization and what we really need to think about in this study is that they aren't tasked at making a nutrition recommendation from this um, particular international agency for research on cancer. However, they are going to um, be looked at for maybe recommendations that do come down the pike from governmental agencies that do make our dietary guidelines in the future. So this could play a role in those decisions down the road. Interesting. 
Um, we've had a, a caller who says, uh, how much processed meats do you eat? She points out that uh, pepperoni and sausage pizzas are popular. And again, that's processed meat that we're eating that we may not even be thinking about right. as, as consuming processed meat at that time. Yeah. So just food. And I think consumers should realize, too, that sausage isn't necessarily in the consideration of a processed meat if it's fresh. The processed meat mm, that we're talking about mm -hmm. is like smoked sausage mm -hmm. that's been treated with nitrates. Your Bob Evans and those kind of sausages, fresh bratwurst and Italian sausage, that wouldn't be considered processed. That'd be considered red meat. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, you're good there. <laughs> We've got a caller on the line. Let's go ahead. Randy from Bloomfield is calling. Hi, Randy. Randy, are you there? Is Randy there? Well, we're trying to get Randy. Randy, there are you there is. now? Yes, how ah, are you? I'm good, Randy. How are you? Not bad at all. Uh, my question is, my grandparents lived to be well into their late 80s, early 90s, and they had uh, a regular diet of sausage and bacon and eggs every morning, and they didn't smoke, they didn't drink, and the it was basically the kind of food that everyone condemns nowadays, but it, I, I was just trying to find out how, how could they have lived so long <laughs> on a diet of such what people condemn now. It's uh, the bacon and eggs and sausage sure. and well, beef. Well, we just happen to have a dietitian in the studio. Let's, <laughs> let's ask Samantha. I do think that people are um, having changed over the years. We do see shifts in eating habits. And I think one thing we have to consider is people were probably doing harder labor and maybe more physically active, helping um, balance out maybe some of those health risk factors. But um, as Joe was saying before, really cancer prevention directly with this study, but health in general, it's more about what we just eat. So we really have to think about um, the alcohol consumption, tobacco, mm -hmm. maintaining a healthy weight and making sure that we are physically active and taking care of well, ourselves. My question is, Grandpa used to eat a pretty healthy breakfast. Grandma would make sausage, bacon, and eggs, and he'd go out and cut firewood all day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he absolutely lived like a teenager in his 80s, and I think it was because that she served him a healthy breakfast. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't really see how everybody's condemning sausage and bacon and eggs. I think that's actually probably some of the best food you could put into your body. Well, and I wonder if even though back then a lot of that was fresh and didn't have mm -hmm. a lot of the salt and preservatives and nitrates that are in the food. Well, the, the eggs were farm fresh. Right. Yeah, they, they, they grew their own chickens, and the chickens had natural, healthy eggs. It wasn't store-bought. Uh, but the sausage and bacon, they probably had it processed. But why is processing different now so that it's so unhealthy when just a couple of decades ago it was actually pretty good breakfast food? Um, Samantha, are there more additives added, like for things we would just buy at a regular grocery store to increase shelf life? Certainly. I mean, as we need food faster and more convenient food and we're cooking less at home, dining out more, um, everyone wants kind of a quick fix. And so I think our food industry has maybe shifted a little bit more to having maybe more additives or preservatives so we have longer shelf life with our items. Yeah, that might be so part of it. 
we need to get back to the good old home cooking. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean, sounds really, good. <laughs> I mean, you think about it, beef and noodles, the, the good old turkey and dressing, I mean, the way Grandma used to do it, that was pretty healthy eat. And I think nowadays that people are trying to eat on the go, they're, they're in a hurry, and they, they get things that, well, you don't really know what you're getting through a drive through window. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the good old home cooking is the way that people need to go. All right. All right. Thank you very much for your call, Randy. Appreciate it. Thank you. I think he hit on something that's also very important. It is lifestyle. It is, um, you know, 80, when my grandparents were growing up, there wasn't a television. Um, you know, they didn't sit down after their, their nice meal and, and watch a, watch a show. Um, you know, they were, they were very active. And of course mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm from a long line of farmers. Um, and, you know, we're still a very active family. Um, where, you know, there's, there's chores, there's, there's mm-hmm. things to be doing outside. Um, and, you know, we, as a society, we've, you know, we've gotten away from that. Not everybody, we don't need as many farmers today as we did um, 100 years ago. And so we, we have to remember that, um, you know, we can, we can enjoy the meals, but you've got to be active too. You've got to get out and take that walk and um, enjoy some time with your family, play in the leaves this time of year, um, and, and be able to, to do both of those things to, you know, live that long and healthy life. And I think caller Rose uh, left a message for us, uh, would agree with you. She says the key factor is frequency, daily habits, what makes the difference? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take yeah, a break? Should we take? Yeah, we got, let's take a break. We, got, we have to take one at the bottom of the hour. We're just about there. Okay. So this is a noon edition on WFIU. Again, we want to hear your questions and comments for our guests. Give us a call, 812-855-0811, or you can call us toll-free, 1-877-285-9348. You can also tweet us at Noon Edition or join our live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each weekday afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Today we're talking about processed meat. Again, join us. Toll-free 1-877-285-9348. If you're online there at a computer, wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. You can also tweet us. We have Drew over there watching our computer at Noon Edition. Samantha Schaefer is with us. She's a registered dietitian at IU Health. Joe Moore, the executive vice president of the Indiana Beef Cattle Association, and Jeanette Merritt is the director of checkoff programs for Indiana Pork and Pig Farmer. I remember what it was I was going to ask right before break, and that is, is can you go to a, a local grocery butcher and ask them 
for a specific kind of meat in terms of the, the processing and, and what's all in it, or is that pretty much already predetermined? Jeanette or well, Joe, do you want to take that? Well, if you're talking about most supermarkets don't process their own meats. In other words, they don't smoke them. They don't, they don't process them. They purchase okay. them and resell them. So, I mean, there are different, there are different suppliers that supply different kinds of products uh-huh. that, that are, they may have available to them, but they don't actually manufacture the product there. And I'll, I'll say that, Joe, you know, there's a lot of places people can um, choose to spend their food dollars. Um, you know, there's uh, you know, all sorts of different grocery store options and local butcher shops mm-hmm. and many different, you know, for local farmer's markets. So um, it, it's just a matter of talking talking to those butchers, talking to the people in those grocery stores um, and, and asking for what you would like. Right. And I, and I think in our community in, here in Bloomington, we do have many, many uh, choices along those lines. And I know that there is locally raised and processed both beef and pork mm-hmm. available. Um, <clears throat> and it was very interesting. Recently, I bought um, a pound of ground beef from a local uh, farm that you may have heard of. And then I decided to make a double batch of what I was making. And so I bought another pound at a a chain grocery store. And I put them in the the same pot to cook up together. And they were two different colors, which one was a bright red and one was a, a, a less bright red. What do you attribute that to, Samantha? I think as um, we think going back to our roots and how our food is raised and how far it comes and the processing, I think Jeanette and Joe can speak to this too. People are really wanting to move closer to knowing where their food comes from and less steps in between the process of where it goes from the farm to the table. And that's Mm -hmm. a really big topic right now. So I do think through um, the raising and the feeding of animals, there are some uh, studies that are showing that it does change maybe the nutrition quality a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and maybe in the future there will be more that will be shown in that area. But maybe Jeanette and Joe can speak to that too. Yeah, are there any dyes added to our, our meat? No. <laughs> well, I'm glad I asked. It's federal law. No, you can't do that. Okay. All right. I wonder what the difference and was. I have to... I would love to talk about the whole, the local, you know, we, we have so many great farmer's markets around the state where people can go and, and buy meat, but um, there's also so much local meat found in your major grocery store chains. Um, it's just under different labels. We're very fortunate here in Indiana to have some major pork processing facilities um, where, um, you know, my hogs that we raise on our farm go just down the road to a processing facility, um, and that bacon, which is called Indiana Kitchen Bacon, um, then shows up in my local Kroger store um, mm-hmm. on the grocery store shelves. And so um, I know that the, the pork that I'm raising here um, in northern Indiana um, and some of my um, pork-producing friends in the southern part of the state are selling theirs to different facilities as well. Um, you know, that, that pork is, is local. Um, may not, you know, we're, we're fortunate to purchase at a bigger store, uh, but, but I know where it's coming from. Right. So, and there's a lot, of, a lot of great ways to still enjoy local pork and beef, as Joe said as well, um, just, you know, uh, a lot, and since there's so much pork produced here in the state, um, people can, you know, probably assume that that their pork is is local to them. Right. Yeah, yeah, we, we true. yeah, we do kind of live in the the breadbasket of of that sort of thing. Uh, you know, pork producers everywhere here, mm-hmm. and beef. But in, in in answer to your question about your ground beef, it yeah. probably had more to do with fat content of those two different pounds or two-pound packages than it did anything else because 
uh, the leaner ground beef is going to have more color than a ground beef with more fat in it. Oh. That will leach color out of the out of the, <clears throat> the lean meat, and it will turn it pale. Okay, so, good and answer. We'll have two different colors. You must be in the business. <laughs> I was in the meat business for twenty five years. So the phone, yeah. the, the phone number to call one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. I wanted to also ask a little bit about protein because I think we hear a lot of that, especially with athletes, people who are looking to bulk up, and you, they hear about protein, protein, protein. And then, you yeah. know, you, you get this report saying, well, no, no, no. What, well, how much protein is in, is in meat and, and, and what's the recommended level of, of protein? So the average American woman only needs about five ounces in a day, and this is based on a 2,000-calorie diet. Mm -hmm. um, the average man only needs six ounces in a day. So this, of course, is in context to, as Joe said, how um, active you are and um, how many calories you need, how tall you are, how much you weigh. And it, it is a calculation that we do to consider all of those factors. But really, um, what are people's health risk factors and what are their food preferences really will depend on which protein sources. They don't all have to come from a meat source. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, we encourage lean choices of meat and poultry and fish, and we recommend people to add a little bit more seafood into their diet, maybe eight ounces a week, so two or three times a week doing a portion of fish, but also including plant-based sources of food. So using beans and legumes and nuts and seeds, or even just the plain old peanut butter and jelly sandwich is okay too. Um, and We've always recommended just limiting processed foods in general because they are higher in saturated fat and sodium, but we haven't really made this connection back to this cancer risk before. And describe what five ounces looks like. So usually a three ounce um, portion is about a deck of cards. And so a woman can use the palm of their hand. Men's hands are bigger, of course, um, but you can use the deck of cards as a three ounce portion. Um, basically breaking it down a little bit further, like a matchbook uh, size may, might be about an ounce. Mm -hmm. So adding those back on there. And again, if you have a three ounce portion of meat or a processed meat, as we've been talking about today, just adding in maybe at other meals, some different options or varieties of maybe plant-based sources or other proteins. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Adds up quickly, though. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Well, and I just think, do, 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 I'm sure you belong to a, a, a dietitian association that yeah. publishes a lot of interesting research and, and results. Do, do they give an estimate, or perhaps you know, how many times the average American exceeds that recommendation? I think what we are seeing are trends where we are in America having more of a higher protein diet and maybe more carbohydrate. Definitely research shows over and over again that we're not getting enough fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. um, so. What this report speaks to me mostly about is just making sure that we are um, doing some limitations and maybe areas that we're excessive on and adding in more where we're um, needing more help, which is mostly as the side items maybe to our protein at our meal might be those fruits and vegetables and not the forgotten item. Right. We've got a caller on the line who's been waiting patiently, Roger from Bloomington. Hi. Hello. How are you? Good, thanks. Good. Um, my concern is really in the in the context of um, increasing incidences of cancer. Um, that on your program there are two meat industry representatives, mm -hmm. and I really do appreciate the the dietitian who represents some science. Uh, but when when the industry representatives say uh, we have consensus, but but not we do not have consensus would have majority opinion. I think even on, on climate issues, for a long time we had 
we had majority opinion but not consensus. I, I'm afraid this is kind of a, a Hoosier approach. Even some of the responses are kind of Hoosier that, yeah, we've done things our way and we are rather dismissive of international wisdom. And what we really need to balance all this out, I'm afraid we can't get it on the anyone on the panel now, but we have, this is a university-related station and we need a researcher who can help explain those 100 studies out of which the uh, majority opinion has developed. And I, um, so I'm expressing some disappointment that there is false reassurance in, in the approach in this program so far. All right. Fair enough. Thanks for calling, Roger. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. You know, I was, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I was looking at an old cookbook recently, and I was aghast at the photos <laughs> in this old book, the things that people used to eat, a lot of gelatin-related things, uh, you know, just all kinds of stuff that really I have not seen on a table in many, 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 many years. So do you see the American diet, Samantha, um, evolving, and if so, how do you see it evolving, and what direction do you think we're headed? Luckily, I think even when we're in the fast-paced world that we've been in with all the convenience foods, I have seen the shift in the trend where people are going more on the farm to table and trying to go back to simple and basic foods again. I think that's the most exciting trend that I feel like consumers are wanting less product in their food, just the, the whole food. And um, I know that's not always possible for everyone, but I think if we can even take small steps to vote with our food dollar and try to buy locally if we can, or try to add more fresh fruits and vegetables or whole grains and lean protein in, it really will, uh, I think, in the long term, affect our health outcomes mm -hmm. and, and make us a healthier community. Mm -hmm. What kind of trends are you seeing? In you yeah, go ahead, Jeanette. That's just what I was going to no, ask you. Following up on that, you know, I'm I'm of a generation, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer. Um, I was raised by a mom and a grandma who could cook anything and mm -hmm. still can, mm -hmm. um, and and taught me how to cook. You know, I was right beside their apron strings in the kitchen, and you know, they taught me how to cook, and it's something you know I'm trying to pass on to my children. Um, but there's so many people in my generation and even generations following um, that that don't have a clue how to cook. Um, either their folks didn't do it, their grandparents didn't do it. Mm -hmm. um, they, you know, they don't, they can open up a cookbook, but it doesn't make any sense to them. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, I think from, you know, from the pork industry, um, you know, we, we have to also, you know, educate people how to cook, educate them on what temperature um, a pork loin should be cooked to and, and how a little pink's okay. You don't want it, you know, not pink at all because it doesn't taste so good. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of education that has to go on, um, just reminding people, you know, how, how to cook these products, how to cook them properly, um, and encourage people not to be scared um, to get into the kitchen. And, and it keeps them away from, you know, a packaged box of macaroni and cheese yeah. um, or, you know, some other options that, that they could make in the grocery store. Is that a source of concern for, for pork producers going forward that people just have changed their, you know, their lifestyles? I, I think it's fair to say that there are fewer home-cooked meals than there were 30 years ago. Is, does that concern you? Um, I think it, it encourages us to get out and do some of that education. Um, that it, you know, we get um, we get in front of you know food bloggers, um, people who are out there writing recipes, um, and help them um, you know learn how to cook a certain cut of pork, and and then they share it with their readers. Um, we you know we do a lot um, that that 
of education online, teaching people how to cook, going out to places and, and how to cook the, how to cook those products. So um, we, a concern, but maybe a challenge um, that it just reminds us that, you know, we need to be the education source um, that maybe they didn't have growing up and from um, uh, anybody teaching them how. Um, so it just gives us the opportunity to go out and, and show them how to prepare those products correctly. Mm-hmm. And yet people are so passionate about food preparation. There's a whole channel, probably more than one, <laughs> the food channel. And, you know, everybody hangs on every word Anthony Bourdain has to say, you know, and he certainly has uh, had some wide-reaching experiences. So, I mean, it's, it's obviously something people are interested in. Samantha, what's what's your take on all that? Do you do you try to coach people into how to cook things at home if you learn that they have a, a diet that's based pri- primarily on takeout or, or eating out? Certainly. I really try meeting people where they're at. So I think part of our first sessions together are asking what they're doing right now mm-hmm. and just trying to make that one next step. So if they're dining out twice a day, every day, how can we get back to maybe one less um, mm-hmm. a week and mm-hmm. then slowly get that ball rolling? Um, there are some interesting studies that just show that 82% of people don't want to give up the foods they like in order to eat healthier. So you really can't push people to take away things that they really love. And this study has really thrown people up in arms because everyone loves bacon, it seems. And um, there's a lot of red meat and processed meat that are in people's diets right now. So I don't think the message is to just completely take things away and do the dichotomous thinking where it's black and white and you can not do anything anymore about the processed meats and red meats and those aren't healthy for us. But certainly you do want to take um, a stronger look at what are you eating, where is it coming from, and how often are you cooking at home, and do you know where your food comes from and what is in it? Mm-hmm. And certainly, it's it's you know a much more uh, taxing on the planet to to raise um, animals to eat as opposed to raising plants to eat, and yet we do have protein requirements. I know those can be met in other, you know, in various ways too, but I'm sure the World Health Organization, I I would think, would have taken uh, or or continues to take those concerns uh, under consideration as well. Joe, you want to comment on that? I was just going to say we have just a few more minutes if we want to maybe take a few more phone calls too. Uh, share your comments or questions. Again, you can uh, get on our live chat, wfiu.org slash Noon Edition, or tweet us at Noon Edition. The phone number, 812-855-0811, toll-free 1-877-285-9348. I did see a part of that study, too, was the salt. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked much about Oh, I mean, salt, I guess, is part of the preservatives mm-hmm. and so forth as well. But salt has becoming, from what at least I hear, and you guys can help fill me in a little bit more, becoming more and more predominant part of a meal uh, or of food in general. And I didn't realize that until I started tracking. I tried this. Have you, have you ever tracked your food before? I, yes, so they I'm have some of these I have. apps now. <laughs> and I was kind of shy. I did it. I could only do it for about a week, and then I just had to stop because it was just so intensive. Like everything you put in your mouth, you had to, you had to track. And I was really surprised at how much salt at the end of the week that I was consuming, even though I thought I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in mm-hmm. bread, and I mean, it's it, it's in everything. It's in everything. Yeah, it's a good I guess what to... I mean, I, I don't even know what the question is, but I guess the question <laughs> is, is 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 how much salt is in our food? And, and of course, we can talk more about meat, too, with this. And, and how do you help reduce that? 
So the scary thing is about 75% of what we intake is already added into our food through the, uh. the processing or the manufacturing. And really, when we're using the salt shaker, people say they're not using that. It's only a very small percentage of what we're actually controlling mm-hmm. by what we're adding. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I do think people need to realize that just because the food doesn't taste salty doesn't mean that it doesn't have a lot of sodium in it. Um, bread is a good example because it's not salt on the outside. It's baked into it. Uh, pick up your breads and look at the label and see the sodium content. Mm-hmm. People are usually surprised there's any in there. Mm-hmm. It's not just your chips or things that have the salt on the outside. But certainly tracking your intake is very educational for a lot of people to see just how much of everything with the fat content or the sodium or total calories are in your diet. I did an experiment one time that was so interesting. I bought a the can of green beans that I would usually buy, and then I bought the no-sodium one. The difference in taste, you know, what what we had become, I had become accustomed to from childhood, uh, one versus the other, remarkable. Yes, and yes. I think that's nice about our palate, too, is over time as we adjust our salt consumption, our palate actually will readjust. So then when you go back to eating that can of really salty green beans, it would be way too salty mm-hmm, at that point. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Joe, did you did you want to comment on that? Well, I would I would just agree with you. If you're not used to eating low sodium products, um, there is a huge taste difference between the two. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a caller on the line. Let's get him on. Hi, Marcus. He's calling from Evansville. Hi, Marcus. Hi, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Come on. on. Um about four years ago we, we bought a house that had a little bit of property and we started raising our own chicken. Um, I know you guys have been specifically talking about beef and pork, but I just wanted to kind of weigh in with something interesting. Um, We started raising egg layers first, and we noticed a huge difference between store-bought, mass-produced eggs, not buying organic or anything like that, just your typical white egg at the store, versus ones that we raised organically. Um, There was a lot more color, a lot more flavor. also, then we started raising meat birds, um, so we, we butcher our own chickens, and uh, kind of the same thing with that as well. Um, more flavor, a uh, little bit different texture, and, and we let ours move around a little more probably than uh, the big farms do. Um, so that, that was just, I remember you talked earlier about uh, two different pounds of beef putting mm-hmm. them together. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting and, and reminded me of that. And also, um, wanted to comment on the uh, learning how to cook. Um, Four years ago, I had no idea how to cook a chicken. Uh, YouTube, I just would recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> just look it up. It's, everything is right there. It's, it's just too easy. Um, so I would encourage people to do that. And also your local farmer's markets. They're very popular right now. I, I know in Evansville we have two uh, that run on different days and different, excuse me, in different areas. Um, so I would just really encourage people to, to go get out there. They're really fun and, and see what people have to offer. There's all kinds of fresh fruits and vegetables and meat. And uh, so that was just really my comment. Um, it, I, I would just really encourage people who haven't tried uh, uh, home uh, or uh, locally grown uh, fresh produce or meat to, to really get out there and do that because there is a big difference. Uh, Marcus, you heard us talking about the study. Are you going to adjust your personal dietary practices at all as a result of this study? Um, we, you know, about about four years ago when we started raising our own meat, um, I, I drive a truck for a living, so it's very hard to um there for a while it was very hard to eat healthy mm-hmm. um and one thing that i did that just i had to start with was going from when i went to mcdonald's getting a double cheeseburger or a big mac to maybe the grilled chicken sandwich and i had to start with things like that and then uh have have um 
made a lot more decisions, especially when I'm home, to eat a lot healthier because it is hard on the road. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I got in about halfway into the program here, so I'm, I'm not. I didn't hear all the beginnings of the studies and all of that that you guys were speaking to. But um, changing things in your diets, like you guys were talking earlier, start slow. Uh, you know, you don't have to just wake up tomorrow and decide you're only going to eat lettuce for the rest of your life or something crazy like that. Um, I would just recommend uh, start with the little things and see where that takes you. You'll start noticing you feel better and. And you have more energy, and and uh, and you you may start to lose weight and things like that. So, all good things. All right. Well, thank you, Marcus. We appreciate the call. Okay. Thanks. Great. How do you think um, the public perception of processed meats has changed over time? Do you think? I mean, I remember we ate a lot of hot dogs growing up as a kid. You know, those they were. My mom had a lot of kids to feed, and that was an easy way to 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 feed a lot of people quickly. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that's probably viewed differently now than in the past? Well, I think Eckrich and Hillshire and those companies still sell an awful lot of hot dogs. Yeah. yeah. So I think and they're I think still really popular. And I think they're bacon on everything. Yeah, yeah there's right. bacon on everything. <laughs> which, is why, which is why bacon's as high as it is, right, Jeanette? It's on everything. <laughs> bacon is everywhere. This is an, We had a caller who just wondered what broasting is. Can someone define that better, broasting? It's pressure cooking, or it's deep frying under pressure, basically. It's like pressure cooking in hot oil. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's tremendous. Yes, it's, it's amazing, <laughs> but you talk about something you'd want to limit in your diet. That, Yeah, that's a... Uh, Again, if you're <clears throat> eating it three times a day, that's not a good thing. Right, mm-hmm. right. Delicious, but a kind of a special occasion uh, preparation, I think. Right. All right. We've got another caller. Al from Bloomington is on the line. Hi, Al. We have a lot of men calling in today. Hi, Al. Are you there? Yes, I am. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, I think the whole discussion is a very strange, very strange set of panel members. I have to agree with Roger. And it goes in the wrong direction. You do not take into consideration environment, people, medical health. Yes, the mortality rate was three times as high as it is today. We are dealing today with different people. And yes, Randy's grandfather may have smoked two packs of cigarettes a day and never had cancer, but he was a survivalist, a very strong one. The statistical scientific data talks about steps of today. And people need to listen. It does not mean that's the absolute truth. And maybe tomorrow they adjust today's vision. But to say, hey, forget it and do as my grandfather used to do and disregard all this data. And another thing, read the labels. Can you find today meat or poultry without solution added to it? Have you seen what's in that solution? What's the reason for that solution to be? Okay. What is it, Al? I'd love to hear it. It's a bunch of chemicals with just one task to extend a life and uh, um, to uh, increase the weight of what's sold. Mm-hmm. They will tell you it's uh, for tenderness or whatever it is. It is not the case. I remember during the days when I was eating um, tenderloins, for example, I found only one place in Bloomington that had pure tenderloin with no solution. 
mm. was at the Sam's Club. Mm. Really? Hmm. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. Read the labels all the time. All this nastiness is there. Absolutely. Great. All right. Thank you very much, Al, for chiming in. We appreciate it. I, we we have. We just have about uh, three and a half minutes left, so maybe we can kind of just conclude with, you know, what next? I mean, what what can the industry do? I mean, these, especially if we kind of go back to the report that we started with, uh, you know, Joe and Jeanette and Samantha, too, if you want to chime in uh, to, um, you know, further on the the less risk of, of these types of uh, carcinogenic uh, elements in, in our food. I would chime in and say it really boils down to just making wise food choices in the context of your total diet. This report specifically, something we kind of knew already just to limit our processed meats and foods, um, not only for maybe the saturated fat and sodium intake, but now maybe this study pointing towards the carcinogenic effect. But um, people do not need to think that this is saying it's complete causation. Um, there's no specific nutrition guidelines coming out of this specific report, but maybe, as the callers were saying, that down the road the national government or the World Health Organization may turn them into a dietary recommendation. I think people just need to take it all in context of what their food preferences are and what their choices are for their health. Mm -hmm. Joe and Jeanette, can you chime in too? Well, I would say that... Um the report, um, the dietary guidelines issued by the, by the agency actually fall in line with the USDA dietary guidelines on protein as well. So there's really nothing new there. And from an industry standpoint, we will continue to reach out and educate consumers about a healthy, balanced diet. And we certainly believe that lean meat should be a part of that healthy, balanced diet. Jeanette. And much like Joe and Samantha said, you know, I, I would say that lean meat should be part of your diet. Um, protein has a lot of benefits. Um, animal protein has uh, many benefits to your diet. And, and we have to be cautious about um, raising alarms to consumers um, and making them feel guilty about how they want to spend their food dollars. Um, the, the report did not say, um, they cannot say that X causes cancer. Um, and so um, there's, you know, there's obviously some concerns on our behalf. Um, uh, about that and uh, you know people um, consumers need to make the best choices for them um, and um, you know I believe that making pork part of that um, of your meal is you know something you put as part of your healthy lifestyle all right thank you very much and that's all the time that we have for today I want to thank our guest for joining us Samantha Schaefer Joe Moore Jeanette Merritt all three of you thank you so much for being here today it's our thank pleasure thank you Joe and my pleasure for our producer, Drew Dawdlin, and engineer, Michael Paskash, I'm Joe Wren, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. Thank you again for pleasure putting to, up with me. Well, my pleasure to get, get to do the show with you, Joe. Today. Don't forget, you can keep sharing your comments, and if you missed the program, you can go online to our live chat or to the, and actually join the show at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. You can still tweet us at Noon Edition. I'm Joe Wren. Thanks for listening. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, 
addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. Publichealth.indiana.edu. And Smithville Fiber, the GigaCity company. Fiber Internet, HD, and digital IPTV in Southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.